Welcome everybody to the Christian Marauder today as we explore more about prophetic fingerprints in part two of the Daniel 12 code. Well, let me go ahead and jump right in here. In Daniel chapter 12 begins with a description of the time called Jacob's trouble, which we would call the Great Tribulation. The phrase Jacob's trouble is actually found in Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7, uh, where it says from the New King James, Alas, for that day is so great that none is like it. It is even a time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. That's out of the King James Version, I mean. This is speaking about the Great Tribulation, folks. But did you know that Daniel chapter 12, verse 4 goes on to describe the events leading up to the time of Jacob's trouble? The Great Tribulation, where it says this in verse 4, But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge will increase. Those phrases have been expounded on countless of times and explained as how fast one travels the globe, as well as all kinds of advances in technology and communication that increases knowledge, which we have an abundance of today. Folks, this fits a prophetic template, okay, uh, where you look at the past, you look at the historical flow of things to understand how the template, what you see, will happen in the future. So before Israel fell, knowledge increased and people ran to and fro. I bet you didn't realize that. What type of knowledge increased? Well, they went after other gods, for example. Just one little faucet of information. Later on, we have technological advances and people travel the globe now and jets go from one end of the, end of the continent to the other in just a few hours. Soon it will probably be even faster than that. Well, folks, also notice it says many shall run to and fro. Many means numerous, but not all. That's just an important point. Also, that phrase, running to and fro, has another connotation that I don't hear too many people talk about. This is something that you really need to look for, a time when travel is fast and, and communications and technology advances are all happening all at once. You're going to have to understand what running to and fro means. In psychological terms, running to and fro indicates something else. Just not necessarily being able to travel all over the world fast or because knowledge is increasing and technology increases. But then there's another type of uh, running to and fro that very few people ever really expound upon. In psychological terms, like I just said, running to and fro indicates stress, anxiety, panic, fear, and confusion. Just as Jesus speaks about in the last days in Luke chapter 21, verse 26 out of the New King James. Men's hearts failing them for fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven will be shaken. In other words, that phrase there indicates a lot of stuff, but life as you know it is going to be turned upside down. That's what it indicates. And because of that, you're going to be running to and fro. So the prophetic pattern to look for to see if we are approaching the tribulation is are people running to and fro? Is anxiety and fear increasing by chance on a worldwide scale? Just not one nation, but worldwide. Let's keep going here. Running to and fro also indicates feeling helpless. You, you feel fear, you feel dread, and it starts to spread. So there is a pacing back and forth, so to speak. Your thoughts run to and fro, so to speak. And there is no safe place to uh, quickly escape to. That's the feeling of running to and fro, okay? That's your mind wanders, all that stuff. 
what is the root cause of all of this running to and fro in a prophetic sense that will be seen before the time of Jacob trouble and seen culminating in the great tribulation? Well, verse 4 answers this, for knowledge shall increase. It's just logical to, because that's what it says in context. Well, folks, on April 15th on 2021, Tucker Carlson said this on Fox News, and I'm going to be reading from the transcript here, and I quote what he says. Human beings are not designed for abrupt change to the way they think or live. People can't metabolize such change. If you eliminate the familiar things overnight, societies will fracture. Populations tend to explode. We have seen that happen. If you're going to have relentless technological change, and apparently we are, you cannot inflict relentless social change and expect your society to survive. Things will fall apart if you do that. That's guaranteed. At that is exactly what our leaders are currently doing. They are changing everything, whether we like it or not. New language, new values, new biology, new curricula, new social mores and hiring standards and body types, brand new national populations. And because that is still not enough change, a whole new system of government. All that change in just three months, what are the consequences of that change? In your bones, you know the answer, and it's terrifying, and it does not have to happen, end quote. Well, folks, I cannot improve on what Tucker Carlson said here, as it helps to illustrate what knowledge increase means in Daniel chapter 12, verse 4, along with all the technological and all the types of knowledge increasing as well. But this is a particular type of knowledge. It is an overflow of overstimulation of data. Your brain can't handle it, folks. We are called to watch for this type of thing. Why? It's simple. To identify on a worldwide scale the approach of the end of days before the time of Jacob trouble, i.e. the Great Tribulation starts. Therefore, because of this, with such knowledge exponentially increasing, one feels overwhelmed by a unrelenting onslaught of information coming at you. So you run to and fro. Some people run to and fro and withdraw. Others distract themselves with all kinds of things. Why? The human mind cannot process exponential change on a scale like this. Therefore, as we near the Great Tribulation, there will be no let up on the knowledge, the data tracking. That, folks, is a prophetic fingerprint you need to look for. So are we seeing such knowledge today? Well, just judge for yourself. In the 2010 Rockefeller Report, Scenarios for the Future of Technology and International Development, it speaks of this. It lays out a series of scenario planning exercises to move the entire world into a globalist collective mindset, like Tucker Carlson said, our leaders worldwide are pushing for a new form of government. It discusses how to do this in four main chapters and war game strategy to fight potential problems and opposition to their plan and, and have everything figured out so they can manage the chaos. The whole agenda simply found the need to develop greater artificial intelligence and computer technology to such an extent it can track and monitor every person in the world to ensure one's compliance. The first main chapter, Lockstep, that begins on page 18, clearly sets forth what we are seeing enacted upon the world today. In fact, on page 23 of the report, it says this, and I quote from it, 
While there is no way to accurately predicting what important technological advances will be in the future, the scenario narratives point to areas where conditions may enable or accelerate the development of certain kinds of technology. Thus, for each scenario, we offer a sense of the context for technological innovation, taking into consideration the pace, the geography, and key creators. We also suggest a few technology trends and applications that could flourish in each scenario. Technological innovations in lockstep is largely driven by government and is focused on issues of national security, health, and safety. Most technological improvements are created by and for developed countries, shaped by government's dual desire to control and monitor their citizens, end quote. They've been working on this probably since the 1990s. I, I have it tracked back then, even before that, but I digress. Each of the four main chapters also include a section entitled The Role of Philanthropy. That's how nice. How can you have anything negative to say about philanthropy? Well, you know, with Marxism, they kind of twist the words around. Let me explain like this. Corporations form philanthropy organizations to escape paying high taxes and all this stuff. Next, let me place the word uh, philanthropy and philanthropic with big business. I'll re replace big business as I quote. Now you'll see what I'm talking about because when I quote from page 22 here from the Rockefeller scenario planning report, you'll get a better idea what's being said and see if you see anything like this today. Philanthropic business organizations will face hard choices in this world. Given the strong role of governments doing philanthropy through business will require heightened diplomacy skill and the ability to cooperate effectively in extremely divergent environments. Larger philanthropies, corporations will retain an outsized share of influence. Many smaller philanthropies or smaller businesses may find value in merging financial, human, and operational resources. Corporate philanthropy organizations interested in promoting universal rights and freedoms, many governments will place severe restrictions on the program areas and geographies that international, get that, international philanthropies, corporations can work in, leading to a narrower and stronger geographic focus or grant making in their home country only. What does all this gobbledygook mean? It means that big business corporations form groups of organizations for the role of philanthropy to better humanity. Okay, that's their goal. Okay, that's what they say it's all about. So what they will do is form these major corporations and through trying to improve humanity, they're going to train and support governments to do the same. In other words, it is a merger of big business and government to work together to make, to, well, build it back better. After, after they destroy everything that's decent and good, they, they're going to build it back better. I don't know how you can destroy everything that's decent and good and build it back better. It makes no sense. But that is basically the idea of these people. The goal laid out in the 2010 scenario planning exercise here involved developing future technology that can monitor and track everyone on the planet by increasing the internet to cover the entire world in order to build surveillance systems to identify dissent. Well, folks, hello, Alexa. In chapter called Hack Attack, page 34 explains how they're going to do this. They will allow an increase in crime 
and hype up cyber attacks to improve internet security for tracking and monitoring purposes. And next it talks about the breakdown in law and order, get rid of basically the police. Does it sound familiar to you? And they also will let criminals back out on the streets to roam the streets so people will clamor for peace and safety. So their fear and anxiety builds and they're willing to give up everything for peace and safety. It paints a picture of a world that is devoid of police where thugs and criminals become the new police just like they do in all Marxist revolutions. You get rid of the uh, police force, you corrupt it with a new influx of thugs to dominate the people. Did you know that over 100 million people died outright due to Marxism so far? It's probably a lot higher than that. As well as an added in another 200 million more died of famines that the Marxists deliberately caused. The purpose of all this in between the lines is this, to facilitate the collapse of the world economy. Basically, in this scenario planning exercise here by the Rockefeller Foundation, the economic engine is identified as the United States of America. Collapse that, you take over the world, and you can go to a one-world government and one-world economy. In fact, chapters clever together states how, by acting fast to solve global warming. In other words, you're going to stress the economy by saying you need to solve global warming now. It's an emergency. You've got to solve the health care crisis. You've got to solve poverty, etc. and so forth. And chapter Smart Scramble speaks about the new greener communities that are all locked in certain areas. They can't move. They can't travel outside of those areas. They end up growing their own food because of food shortages. So then all the world can suddenly start scrambling together to build back a better world with the elites running the show and with everybody else trained to be good serfs. Listen to what it says on page 27 and 28 of the Rockefeller 2010 scenario planning. And I quote, nation states lost some of their power and importance as global architect strengthened and regional government structures emerged. International oversight entities like the UN took on new levels of authority. That's the goal, folks. See where we're heading? That's the ultimate goal is to use crisis after crisis to create a new form of worldwide Internet style so they can track and monitor you, set up a digital currency and surveil you for any dissent or any type of speaking of the truth to silence you. They don't want you to think for yourself. They know better how to live your life than you do. In fact, just recently, the Facebook CEO announced setting up a new Facebook-only apps and systems in third world countries where they, they think that that is the internet. And, and she spoke openly of this in the World Economic Forum in Davos. The video is on the World Economic Forum's website if you want to see where I'm coming from. In fact, Klaus Schwab, founder and executive chairman of the World Economic Forum, talks a lot about this in his book and videos on the Fourth Industrial Revolution. He wrote that book, The Fourth Industrial Revolution. There he speaks about improving AI technology and adding human AI implants to remake a better human being. They talk openly about that. This is not science fiction or tin hat conspiracy. They're open about it. You can go on their website, go on their World, World Economic Forum, look at it. It's, it's all about surveillance. The Rockefeller 2010 Scenario Planning Report all show the need to silence and monitor 
monitor dissent, and so does Klaus Schwab. It's all about creating a new economy that's able to control people. A world like Klaus Schwab said, where you own nothing and you will be happy about it. All done for noble reasons, of course, to save the planet, to solve all social ills, make a beautiful, perfect world by destroying everything and build it back better. Here's a quote from an article in Automation Alley, the Fourth Industrial Revolution, also known as Industry 41. Okay, and I quote here, this is radically changing the way we work and live. And while we keep up with the pace of technological change can feel overwhelming, costly, and potentially insecure at times, it's critical that manufacturers increase connectivity and adopt digital technologies to make better informed data, data, data-driven decisions. If you're in need of some inspiration, we compiled seven inspirational quotes from Industry 4.0 influencers, like what Klaus Schwab said. The changes are so profound from the perspective of human history, there has never been a time of greater promise or potential peril. So folks, in another famous quote by Klaus Schwab, he says this, In the new world, it's not the big fish which eats the small fish, it's the fast fish which eats the slow fish. It's the fast fish, don't you get it? And they are the fast fish. Okay, these fast fish are major corporations who now push for a Marxist system of supra capitalism to housebreak and train entire human population to comply with cancel culture, BLM, Antifa, for philanthropic purposes, of course. The plan is ruthlessly simple. You overwhelm the senses by increasing this knowledge. It distracts, it divides, it monitors to expose dissent all used to control and manipulate the entire world's population, folks. So what you have is this. You have both the great men and great merchants of the earth working with world government to surveil everyone, to control the agenda, train all to be good, obedient serf class, all for the noblest of reasons, to create a perfect, equitable world. Not a fair or just world, but as Marxists define equitable, as an equal outcomes. In other words, if you are a go-getter and you prosper and you have straight A's, and so you can understand this, you take that straight A student and you bring him down to C level and spread out his grades proportionally. So everybody is, has a C level or a D level education. That's what they mean by equity. Well, folks, all this comes about by an onrushing tsunami of knowledge that the human mind is incapable of processing, but the data's coming at you so fast. This causes information overload, so people run to and fro, looking for a savior, anything to get back to normal. I want to get back to normal. I'll do anything. But normal by these people is, is like a carrot in front of a donkey that's used to lure the donkey to where the donkey doesn't want to go. And the donkey's happily trying to get the carrot, but never able to get the carrot. And the donkey never sees the stick coming. People warned of this for years happening. People like Larry McDonald, who was a Democrat back in the 1970s and 80s, where he says this, and I quote, The drive of the Rockefellers and their allies is to create a one-world government combining supra-capitalism and communism under the same tent, all under their control. Do I mean conspiracy? Yes, I do. I am convinced there is such a plot, international in scope, generations old in the planning, and incredibly evil in intent. 
This is not some whacked out tin hat conspiracy. In fact, like I said before, over and over again, John F. Kennedy warned of this on April 27th, 1961. And I quote, and this is on public record, at his own presidential library. It's still there. It's still on his website. They haven't taken it down yet. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covert means for expanding its sphere of influence on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. No expenditure is questioned. No rumor is printed. No secret is revealed, end quote. So who are these ruthless people these individuals are talking about here? Well, for starters, Look at this picture of Klaus Schwab compared with Mike Myers' character, Dr. Evil. Do you see any similarities here? You know, I'm just saying, do you see any? You see Klaus Schwab is wearing a strange getup. He's standing behind a podium. This is him in 2017 at the Kiwanis University of Technology in Lithuania, where he is granted an honorary doctorate for his work as founder and head of the World Economic Forum for motivating collaboration between public business organizations and government to shape the world by destroying the free markets and training people to think like good Marxists. That's what he got the award for. It's all about collaborating and bringing these entities together to overwhelm your system with a lot of knowledge really fast. So you can't process it. You can't react in time. So, so folks, I'm going to ask you to look at the picture on the screen. On the podium, you'll see an emblem of an open book, which is a universal symbol for dispensing knowledge, wisdom, and virtues, etc. That might be written on it in Latin, but I couldn't make out the words. The other two symbols are seen in the occult world have meanings too. Did the founders of the school innocently pick this logo with these three emblems, or did they do so with a nefarious mind? And the fact is, I do not know, and I can't say one way or another if they did or didn't. So what is the Kiwanis University? Well, I looked up the Kiwanis University on Wikipedia, and I quote from the Wikipedia arc article on the Kiwanis University of Technology. It says, in 1990, the KPI was named Kiwanis University of Technology, KTU, regained its university status and embarked on the road to reforms of, of studies and science. It emphasized the unity of studies and science, broad fundamental education, liberal study programs, and independent study. In 1998, the university joined the Magna Charta of European universities and became a member of the European University Association and the International Association of Universities, end quote. No mistake about it, folks. It is a progressive school that wants to reform science. It's, that's what it says. Its goal is to reform the way you think, basically. It's a progressive school of high order. Klaus Schwab was the 45th person to obtain an honorary doctorate degree along with other globalists. And you got to judge a tree by its fruit. It's an honorary degree. With that, notice the other symbols of the school's logo on screen. There's a nine-pointed star and a bull figure. These are symbols used in ancient pagan religions and in higher ranks of Luciferianism, folks. 
And one thing about Luciferians, Luciferians are all about openly displaying symbols that reveal their intent. Okay, that's what they do. Is this happening here? Again, I'm going to ask you to come to your own conclusions. I'm not suggesting the entire school or staff is knowingly and openly doing this. Not at all. I don't think very many of them are Luciferian in, in, in scope. A lot of their professors, yeah, some of the higher-ups maybe, but again, come to your own conclusions. Most students go there because they're students. They get a good education. So why did I bring all this up? I wanted to point this out. Many Luciferians believe they are not following the devil, but rather the wisdom part of the yin-yang symbol in order to combat the dark side of the yin-yang symbol, in order to bring about unity and harmony and balance back into the world to improve humanity in the world through the initiation of a Luciferian light, illumination, and knowledge into the world. So what is a yin-yang symbol? Again, look on the screen. It's ancient symbol, Chinese symbol. It came to be known as to bring balance and harmony. It is a, a strange-looking circle. A part of it's white, part of it's dark. There's a black dot in the white section, and there's a white dot in the black section. Okay. Many Luciferians, the yin-yang symbol represents Lucifer as a light bearer who brings knowledge to help humanity to achieve a better, far more equitable world, and his dark side is the evil and bent on destruction in order to carry that out. The idea here is to convey bringing forth a loving knowledge by means of chaos to bring about balance in order to improve the world. Okay, that's the essence of what the yin-yang symbol is about. It's about Lucifer coming as an angel of light, hiding his dark side from everybody, and his dark side acting in conflict and struggling in order to bring about enough chaos so they can build back a better world, basically. Thus, we have a third element in the phrase, knowledge increase, that Daniel wrote about to look for in the last days. The devil's light coming over the world and this knowledge increases. I can safely say that most of the people in this school do not know the depths of Luciferianism. They probably don't have a clue about it. But some of the professors and honorary degree members speak like dragons, just like Klaus Schwab does, who use the good force, the white light of the yin-yang, to make everything look real good. And you have a, uh, another force creating chaos and opposition to bring it about. This mirrors the schizophrenic attitude of narcissists. You want to come across as looking good while you want to kill, rob, and destroy. Dragon Speaks uses Supra knowledge in order to create a utopian world controlled by dystopic business and government that rules together. You go to the World Economic Forum and read this for yourself and you will hear Dragon Speak. Thus, as Klaus Schwab stated in his book, The Fourth Industrial Revolution, and I quote, has the potential to empower individuals and communities as it creates a new opportunities for economic, social, and personal development, but it also lead to marginalization of some groups, exacerbate inequality, create new security risk, and undermine human relationships, Klaus Schwab. Klaus Schwab calls for the destruction of capitalism and is a big-time supporter of communist China. So let me talk about what pure capitalism, so you get an idea, because we use the word very loosely to mean many different things. That's shades of meaning. So let's look at this one shade of meaning of capitalism that I'm speaking of here. This pure capitalism becomes evil when it monopolizes corporations to make politicians rich to further their aims. Okay, 
little money under the table, so to speak. It silences competition. It seeks a government-enforced company store model to, to fetter unto the world. It distracts and overwhelms its citizens with a constant influx of new laws and changes that no human mind can absolutely process. In the United States of America, we actually live in what is called a free market system that regulates capitalism. Why? To stop the above from happening, from corporate monopolies forming, influencing governments to act a certain way. Okay? And they do this by antitrust laws. But to get around this, corporations remain independent in name only, but they form alliances with each other. And no other place on earth that emphasizes more of this type of alliance between government and corporations is the World Economic Forum, United Nations World Economic Forum. And they form monopolies, like I said, they form these alliances. You have big tech, Nike, you have sports drinks, you have someone selling uh, ladies' underwear, anything. They all get together in their commercials, going to be all about equality, fraternity, it'll be all about social justice. As all these corporations are going woke right now, pushing these agendas. And you wonder why they're going woke? Well, they have an agenda. They want to train you how to think, to be good global citizens. You have to be woke too. Okay? Do you get the picture? So Klaus Schwab calls for the destruction of capitalism. However, that is actually misinformation. He wants supra-capitalism to blend with communism to create a new world order of elites with a well-regulated and monitored surplus to ensure the sovereignty of the elite is never trifled with again. Okay? That is what I'm talking about. He is using the Luciferian logic of light and darkness to get there. First, noble-sounding logic and words, and then through controlled chaos to achieve the dream of one world government. That's exactly what he's doing. This logic is seen in the Kiwanis University of Technology's two other logos. So again, let's look at the screen there. First is the nine-pointed star. What is that? That is an Enneagram. It's often called the Chaos Star. And so I compiled a synopsis here of all the definitions I found for the Enneagram or the nine-pointed star from many different sources, and I compiled it here and compacted it in a synopsis. First, the nine-pointed star is formed by three triangles. The triangles have different meanings. One meaning refers to the manipulation of the human mind. The manipulation of the human mind. Get that. It also symbolizes the pursuit of knowledge and pursuit of cosmic deities. The goal of those guided by the star seek to achieve equilibrium, balance. Of course, all without the help of God. The star also is a symbol for creating instability mental imbalance, to achieve a new equilibrium, symmetry, harmony, and unity in the world. It is formed by three triangles in its deeper occultic groups. This represents the satanic trinity, the devil, the antichrist, and the false prophet of a new religious system that's coming. Next is the bull symbol you see there, which is also used in ancient Middle East pagan religions and ancient Greek religions and the world's religions, denoting a solar bull or a solar calf, a solar bull or a solar calf, related to Marduk in the Mesopotamian pantheon, and it's also involved the solar calf, uh, sun god worship as well. The ancient Israelites made a golden calf, for example, saying these gods 
will take us to the promised land. That is the solar calf. And what that solar calf or that calf represented here is the sun deity and worship of the sun deity. No wonder Moses was angry. In fact, the prophet Ezekiel mentioned how widespread this became by his day because he looked through a hole in the wall and saw the weeping for Tammuz and the worship of the sun and the stars going on inside of the very temple itself. So what was going on in the temple most likely was contact with fallen watchers in order to achieve a superior light and knowledge to create balance and harmony, to bring about a new day, a new age. Okay. With that, folks, this begs the question, were these three symbols that were used by the school, were they used to convey some sort of secret knowledge from the school itself? Uh, I don't know, nor am I suggesting that school is knowingly doing this, but it's there. If you know what to look for and you connect the dots, the who's who is all about reforming reforming science and education, reforming all the law, reforming all this stuff in a progressive mindset. And the 45th member who gets an honorary doctorate is Klaus Schwab. And lots of globalists go there. The apple don't fall far from the tree. So let's add to all that the book symbol again, which is all about supplying superior wisdom and knowledge. Just as Wikipedia points out, and again, a quote, in 1990, Kiwanis University of Technology regained its university status and embarked on the road to reforms, get that, reforms of studies of, and science. It emphasized the unity of studies and science, broad fundamental education, liberal study programs, and independent study. If you know how liberals talk and know how these people talk, reforms change it all. Build it back better. That's what it's talking about. Emphasize unity. In other words, everybody agrees with one agenda. If the shoe fits, wear it, as I say. And also, folks, that enneagram, that nine-pointed star, matches the talking points of the World Economic Forum, too, which is to tear down the system, to build it back better, all without God, controlled by one world government, even the bull symbols related to the sun deity and dragon worship of Marduk involves the rise of the Antichrist to rule the world, uh, who will someday be released out of the abyss, just as the story of the ancient gods talk about, that the story of uh, Nimrod and Semiarius all talk about as well. The symbolizes, folks, I'm just saying, put it together. I wish the churches would teach this stuff. I don't know why they don't. Maybe they're afraid. Who knows? The goals of the World Economic Forum are for total control over all aspects of human life, reshaping the human image to making a new human being. Klaus Schwab might be like the devil's version of John the Baptist, the one crying in the wilderness who's preparing the way for the Antichrist, gathering his disciples around him, folks. And he's doing that. Government officials, big tech, big organizations, all this stuff rallied behind him in this new world order mindset, folks. So in the end days, you're going to see people running to and fro, knowledge increasing, harmony and balance promised, but only you get is chaos. These disciples are world leaders that Klaus Schwab is discipling, and they are big business, and they are the an industry people. Again, the school itself may be completely oblivious to the meaning of the symbols, but they gave an honorary 
degree, like I said, to a known Marxist, a communist, as a matter of fact, who was a political cult leader for his work in increasing technology to overwhelm the human mind used by major corporations to housebreak people be good Marxist-minded serfs. It just makes you wonder. Daniel chapter 12, verse 4 says this, But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end, and many will run to and fro, and knowledge will increase. Folks, the events leading up to this and before the, uh, the Great Tribulation, the time of Jacob's trouble, will be a time where people will, will run to and fro. They'll, they will be frantic. They will be fearful and, and, and scared. Why? Because the, due to the massive overload of knowledge on the human mind, the human mind cannot process. They can't process it. You, you're trying to process uh, the new biology. You're trying to process the new this or the new laws. And, and then this, this hits you, this hits you. What happened here? And, and, and you just go frantic. You can't keep up. And it's done by design to build it back better after destroying your life. It's brought about by rapid change by people who are preparing the new way for a one-world government to control all and dominate all, brought on by knowledge that produces fear, anxiety, produces false guilt, produces shame, produces loss, it produces hate, produces revenge, and get even, and stuff like that. That's what it produces. This is done to deliberately make chaos stars shine bright so civil society falls apart, guaranteed. Just as Tucker Carlson said, and let me quote again, that is exactly what our leaders are currently doing. They are changing everything, whether we like it or not. A new language, new values, new biology, new curricula, new social mores and hiring standards and body types, a brand new national population, because that is still not enough change, a whole new system of government. All of that in three months, what are the consequences of that change? In your bones, you know the answer, and it is terrifying, and it does not have to happen. What America needs now more than anything is a pause, a moment to catch our national breath, take stock, access what is happening, and a lot happened and calmly consider the best way you want unity for the country. Well, at least you know why you feel so anxiety and you feel like running to and fro and you can't process the data. And so, and why some people just want to stick their heads in the sand and go la, 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 la. And yet it's still going to happen. So first, what do we do about it? First, examine yourself. So you got to examine yourself for what is known as called pride, P-R-I-D-E. Folks, there are two kinds of pride. The type of pride I'm talking that people should examine themselves are the kind that most believers don't even know they have. And first off, I'm not speaking about parental pride because their kids achieve something fantastic, nor the pride in repairing a hole in the drywall for the first time or in building something. Everybody can take pride in those things. There's a good pride and there's a bad pride, okay? So just listen to what I'm saying here. The bad kind strives to be noticed. It wants to be top dog. Is it really just your ministry? Is it all about your ministry? If God says to give it up, could you? Pride of being right at all costs, is that it? Pride in your church organization? Or your vision as the cutting edge and all done to justify your leaders or justify yourself to being that we are the church. Everybody else is forgotten, but we are the top dogs in the church. Or, or do you have pride in your church growth models that you just throw out everything else, even the Bible? 
Yeah, pride can be very subtle in the church. What I'm talking about is a deeper, is a real deep kind of pride. It's very subtle, where one needs to spend time before God, possibly if you're led to even fast, in order to check and ask God to expose your subtle pride. Why? It's exactly the reason is found that no one talks about in Second Chronicles 7, verse 13 and 14. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilences among my people, if my people who are called by name will humble themselves. Get it? Humble yourselves? Pride is the opposite of humbleness before God. Humbleness before God involves knowing your place before God as a servant before him, or as his little one who is utterly respects God, the pride I speak of is outlined in Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. But know this, in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, 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 proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. That's what pride does. Makes you more proud, okay? It's the kind of pride that makes you boast and to rely on your declares and decrees and expects it to be done because you say it. That kind of pride about dreams and prophetic words and visions so you can become the big shot hanging out with the big dogs, I'm telling you. You need to look for the kind of pride that drives you to make yourself look good in the sight of others so as to prove um, your superior status over your fellow beings. Also, it's the pride of being right at all costs that causes strife that brings forth all manner of evil work in the church and home and society. So, folks, we need to take time and humble ourselves before God. So, by the authority of Jesus' name, all I can do is ask you to take some time and ask Jesus to expose, if you have any wicked way in you, expose your pride and give you his strength and courage to change. Just ask him, I have pride in me, change it. Give me the strength to overcome. I can't do this on my own. My pride will stop me. Okay? Just don't offer mere words. I'm talking about uh, really doing something about it. Okay? And add to that, become aware of what's going on in the world. And also pray for strength and courage to overcome the times that are leading to the end of days. We appear to be heading that direction. Maybe the Lord will grant us reprieve. Maybe he will not grant us reprieve. So you must study and guard and protect Bible prophecy. You have to also get back into the Bible, the book, God's Word. you got to. You can't stray away from it. you got to stop listening to people who disavow the Bible, say it's not that important. It's only for proof texting their peculiar doctrines. Then they get away from it totally, and they teach on dreams and visions and prosperity and how to get this and that. Stay away from that, folks. Stay away from it. Again, I suggest if you can, some people can't, but if you can and are able to fast, you fast and pray, or you just simply pray with this purpose. Have God reveal to you what you are enslaved to. What Was it bad doctrine you're enslaved to? Uh, do you have a need to get closer to him? Maybe those are some of the reasons you fast and pray or just pray. You need to pray for God's intervention and wisdom from him on what you are to do. Okay. 
I'm amazed at how many in the modern church are replacing Jesus with another Jesus and replacing the Bible with distractions and are so proudfully justified about it. And guess what? Pride is what justifies and makes you do what you do. So, folks, are we guilty? Are you guilty? Are you easily offended because of what I said? Such, you know, pride is very easily offended. Also, look into yourself and see if you're if you are ignoring reality. Another thing that pride does, it ignores reality. You say to yourself, all things continue on. Jesus ain't coming back. I can't believe there are people who want to tear down everything. Oh, no, I can't believe it. This is just what J. Edgar Hoover said. People cannot believe that there are people out there who just seek to destroy all that is decent and good. Even old J. Edgar Hoover, with all his faults, saw it coming and warned about what these people are planning to do. This is beyond some mere tin hat conspiracy, folks. There are people in the church who, through pride, cannot possibly fathom in their mind. They refuse to believe that there are people out there that want to destroy all that is good. And with that mindset, the devil just simply enters into the church unaware. When the Lord Jesus Christ sends his messengers into the seven churches, he calls out five to repent of pride. That causes them to be right at all costs. That justifies bringing the occult workings and works into the church. Pride that causes them to listen and obey Jezebel prophets who desire to take over the world. So and they're so important because Jesus can't return without them taking over the world first. And then you have people in the church who justifies that Jesus is not going to return. The words, the promise of his coming. So you just got to be happy, enjoy the free ride. Then you have another type of pride that justifies that it's all about being rich and in need of nothing, never realizing how dark such knowledge makes one so spiritually blind to the hammer about to fall on top of your head. People need to humble themselves, seek and ask God to expose their pride, and for him to give them the strength and courage to overcome, because only the Lord can give you that strength. So, folks, we're going to close out with a short prayer here. Let me just pray for you and pray for us all right now, a short prayer here. Heavenly Father, we just come before you right now. And I ask, Lord, that you grant each person that will hear this message the strength and courage to overcome, to give them the strength and the courage to make a stand. They cannot rely on their own abilities. They need to come before you. Uh, I ask you to expose their pride and show them where they need to repent from. And look at Second uh, Chronicles 7, 13, and 14 again and, and humble themselves and humble themselves. And where they have fallen, get right with you because you're always forgiving and always merciful. I thank you for that. And I thank you, Lord, that you will strengthen the people now. Fill them with the power of your resurrection, Lord Jesus. Just like you said, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us will quicken our mortal bodies. So I'm asking in, in a sense here a granting of power and strength and courage to overcome in these dark days so they can make a stand for you in jesus name amen so folks if you just continue looking on the screen here you'll see some information first if you're listening on the daily renegade i just want to remind you to become a member today okay because uh, platforms like social media platforms can shut things down real quick you don't even know what you say next thing you get a your three strikes against you and that's it you know and they just excommunicate you from ever being heard of again they just wipe you clean so if you're want to avoid that become a member of the daily renegade today
Also, if you'd like to contact me, uh, help pray for me or support me in any way, my contact information is on the screen. And if you'd like to see that information, just keep looking. They'll talk a little bit so you can roll it out to the end of the video. But whatever you do, folks, pray to be counted worthy to escape these things and stand before the Son of Man. And also, folks, really look at your heart and see why we're in this mess is one of the reasons is that too for far too long the church has got proud <laughs> in a bad way very proudful in a bad way five of the seven churches are called to repent all of them are called to overcome how do you overcome pray for his strength and courage to fill you up and give you the ability to make the changes you need to with that you all be blessed in jesus name